Welcome to La Casa Blanca Podcast. We are back after many, many technical difficulties. We recorded this podcast at least five times, and we are back three days later after Shakhtar finally giving you a post game. How are you doing today, O? I am doing great. Um, I didn't feel great after giving up the Shakhtar, so actually, you know, now that I think about it, it was probably a good idea. It, it, you know, it worked out for for the best that you know we we couldn't record post game, um, and you know we had those uh, t- technical difficulties because you know I wasn't feeling too great. Now I was feeling good, but not great. Um, I do think that we played poorly. I am, you know, I was glad that we managed to scrap a, a point that we didn't lose. That Rudiger scored that header in the dying minutes, but you know, I didn't I didn't feel great, but now I do. Because I'm excited for a Classico, and you know, I hope we're gonna win. Yeah, I I had read that we are through 31 of 31 times in the Champions League out of the group stage. So, you know, and people, you know, I I have friends in the EPL that are always like Real Madrid have it easy. They always get it. They always get into the group, and then since they're always at the top of La Liga, they always get a pass. Like, no, dude, it's not that easy. Don't tell me it's easy. Barcelona's not doing it, and their squad is fucking good. Barcelona's squad is really fucking good, okay? I'm sorry, but getting the EPL top four isn't that difficult either. You guys, your your Man United squad just sucks. Like, don't fucking tell you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I can't stand EPL fans. You know I can't stand EPL fans. EPL fans know I can't stand EPL fans. None of us La Liga fans can, can stand EPL fans. And, you know, I actually know people that can't even stand La Liga fans. And, you know, they're Real Madrid fans. I literally have friends that are like that. But, you know, 31 for 31, it isn't easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. I mean, I watched the Inter game. I watched Barcelona get smacked around by Inter, who are an inferior team, right? Um, like, I don't want to turn this into you know a pre El Clasico podcast because that's not why we're here. Technically, we're here to talk about Jaktar. and you know we we can we can we can scrap a few points about El Clasico here and there. But I will say, I will say, it was very very. Very, um, it was very good to see Barcelona struggle because they did struggle against Inter, and um, to say that you know making it out of that we have it easy, that the that we had a an easy group, we didn't have a we didn't have a, an easy group in every single time that we played um in, in the Champions League. We certainly did not play easy teams last season in the knockout stages, which, which by the way, Barcelona did not make, <laughs> did not play, and they did not make it to the knockout stages last season. They said that it was because of Coleman, because they had Coleman, that because of Xavi, because Xavi arrived late, right? Now with Xavi, they're doing worse than they did with Coleman, and well. They're going back to Europa League because, you know, it's still like a 99.9% certainty that, you know, Inter are going to win against uh, Victoria uh, Lovin and Bayern going to beat Barcelona. So they're going to go back to the Europa League while for the, uh, for the you know, for the billionth time we're through to the knockouts. So it's definitely not easy. Not everyone can do it. Not everyone did it because we're the only ones that did. And, uh, you know, fuck APL fans. I'm just going to say it right away. 
Um, they live in their own world. They live in a bubble. They don't care about La Liga. They don't care about Bundesliga. They just they just assume a player is bad because he has a bad rating on FIFA. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I mean, I really don't even want to harp on it much longer, but 31 to 31. You know, it doesn't get much better than that. We're European royalty. That's what we are. That's what we do. It's common. I, I think Bayern's next. No surprise there. They're always they're always fighting for Bundesliga. Even the, you know, we're talking 31 years in the past. I'm assuming that's roughly when the group stage started. If it was 31 of 31, right? If we made it out of the group 31 of 31, I'm guessing it started 31 years ago. I don't have an exact date on that. I just heard this information. Um, through the grapevine, and it was from someone I trust, so I ha- I have no reason to doubt that that person is making this up. And I know, as long as I've been a fan, we have been out. Um, you know, we have been knocked out of the round of 16, which really sucks. I mean, you might as well not you might as well have been knocked out in the group, but you know, you were only one step beyond the group. Um, but you, the only positive is really the money you get out of it, because you know you're working all year for that round of 16. Um, but this team right now, they're a good team. We're a good team. I, I believe, you know, we still have that fight from last year, and I think we saw that in the Shakhtar game. Uh, it was a very disappointing game. Um, the lineup was a good lineup. I, I don't think anyone could say anything about it in a few days on. I don't even remember off the top of my head who started where. Um, I remember we were in a four. Actually, I do know. It's just, you know, I just had to think for a second. Um, Hazard played. Uh, Rodrigo was on his favored side in the first half and then looked like he moved to the right in the second half. Um, it looked like a 4-4-2 to start. Very happy to see Rudiger and Nacho before the game in the lineup. Happy to see Danny Carvajal get some rest. Um, Mundy, you know, I was okay with him starting. And, you know, Fede in midfield with Chuameni. And I believe it was Cruz, right? Yeah, because Cruz was awesome. It was Chuameni, Cruz, and Fede. And, you know, the the one nice thing about what we did is, you know, we ran that 4-4-2 that we ran with uh, Vinny, Rodrigo, uh, Fede on those wings. And, you know, it's more, it's not really like a, it's not like a flat 4-4-2, you know, though Vinicius is more so a winger while Rodrigo's kind of tucked in forward is what we saw. We talked about this, but, you know, and Fede overlaps. Um, this looked like a legit 4-4-2. Rodrigo was a little deeper, giving out help defensively in the first half, I thought. And, you know, we're, these we're pretty fluid as a team and it wasn't there the the game left more to be desired and we'll get into our man of the match and our l of the match and but you know that's my thoughts on the lineup and watching the game what were your thoughts when you saw the lineup i thought the lineup was great um i was very excited to see uh hazard play with um rodrigo and benzema up top i think that i thought it was a great trio but I was greatly disappointed because our best um our best players weren't even our midfielders, not our attackers, but our defenders. Our two center backs, Nacho and Rudiger, were actually our best players all game. Um our attack was lackluster. I was very disappointed. I didn't know where Eden was playing. I didn't know where Rodrigo was playing. Benzema was poor to say the least. He couldn't get a shot on net, and when he did, it was the most ridiculous of shots. Um, the lineup on paper was really good, but it just, they just couldn't perform on on the pitch. And um, yeah, I I certainly was not. I was certainly not not was not happy with their performance. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, um, that's all I 
that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, and you know, I was I was actually I remember we talked about the lineups we wanted to see, and we were as close as you can get. Um, and that being said, you know, I mean, my man of the matches, I even before I remember texting you before Rudiger even scored, I was like, Nacho and Rudiger were my only man of the matches. I mean, they were getting left for dead in defense. I mean, Tony Cruz was also awesome. I remember, you know, I went through and watched because you know he got those uh, on Twitter. They put together those little all of your touches from the match, and I remember watching Tony Cruz, and I was like. You know, he quietly had a very good match. Um, I know those things only highlight the positives, but then when you go check the numbers, they also back up that he had a very good match. And, you know, he just kind of went under the radar, and it wasn't someone that we had actually spoken about in the six takes we already took of this. But I want to get your thoughts on Tony Cruz because he, I thought, you know, going back and looking at it, I thought he was, you know, awesome against Shakhtar. And he even assisted the Rudiger goal, which, you know, makes his game just a tad better. But, you know, take that away. And he was still really good. So I thought Tony Cruz was great. Um, Honestly, for me, I think Tony Cruz has been one of our best players this season. He's definitely – he had a rough start, but he he improved. And he's, he's been really good for us. I I really enjoyed Tony Cruz's game because, like Casimiro said, when the te- when when Tony wants to just to slow down, when he wants the team to slow down, we slow down. When he wants the team to move up the pitch and attack, they attack. Our game flows through um, Tony Cruz more so than Modric actually. Um, so he he had a fantastic fantastic game, and I really enjoyed watching him. Um, I think he had a, he was he was he was really good. He was definitely um, one of the best players on the pitch, which is you know, in, in a mountain. It, it, when you look at the team, look at the performances on the pitch. Even even the subs, you just there are only like a a couple of players that are really you know that were really present on the pitch, and you could feel um, that they really wanted to win. When Tony Cruz got the ball in the middle of the pitch, he told Rodrigo, he told Rudiger. Um, to go to uh, to move up the pitch, go to the penalty box because he knew he could hit the ball. He did it twice. One of them, you know, went near the post. The second one went in. Um, so you know, Tony Cruz is he's just he's, he's a genius. Tony Cruz is one of the best midfielders of all time. And I heard news uh, a couple of days ago that you know his contract renewal talks will will, will begin soon. So I'm hoping that we'll have. You know, we'll still have Tony Cruz next year because I don't think he's—I don't think you know, he's still a top midfielder. He's still one of the best best midfielders in the world, and I do hope that he's gonna stay um, for at least one more year. Like he's either gonna try to retire in twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four. So the max we're gonna have to watch Tony Cruz is just one more year. So I hope we get that year because it's gonna be a very, very special year. Um, and you know he. Like I said, he still has it in him. He's still a great player. He can still perform. Like I know he wants to go out on top. He doesn't want to, you know, play till he, um, you know, till he's, you know, he 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 can he till he no longer can can run or pass or whatever. Till you know, till he's not in form anymore. Um, but I do think that he if he stays for one more year, it's going to be a fantastic year. And, and I do think that we're going to enjoy Tony Cruz if he does stay for uh 
the money until 2024. I mean, I hope he stays until 2024. To me, that's the perfect timeline to, you know, get him um, because Kamavinga can become that fourth midfielder. Fede can move into that um, the Modric role, and you know, we can. I think that'd be perfect. And you know, I, I don't make I don't want to make this a Tony Cruz swoon fest, but he has been awesome this year and he is a lot harder to replace than Luka Modric, in my opinion, because of his skill set. And I don't want to get into the Modric versus Cruz debate. And you know where I stand on that one. I actually stand on the Modric side on that one. To me, Modric well, is I the stand go on the mid- one. Do you actually? Yeah. You think Tony Cruz is a Really? Okay, that's interesting. We can make that an episode if you want. We can go through everything and talk about them both. Stylistically, I prefer Luka Modric. Uh, it's pro- it's why I prefer Ionesta over Xavi, um, which you know is kind of like they're they're pretty much you know Xavi is very close to Tony Cruz in play style, and which is why everyone sees Xavi and they're like, oh, oh my god, he's so amazing. Which you know he's very good. He's one of the best midfielders of all time. One of the best midfielders I've ever laid my eyes on. But I don't want to get into that one. Um, and, you know, Modric is a lot like Ionesa. They fill the very, very similar spaces. And, you know, that tempo thing, you know, that was that that was Modric for a little while, too. Um, he just can't do that anymore. He's a lot older now. And, you know, he's still a fantastic player. I mean, Luka Modric really is, I mean, world class still to this day. Um he just can't keep up anymore. His body's kind of going, and you know he's a midfielder, and he's so intelligent that he can still play. But you know this is this is Luca's last year. There's not a shadow of a doubt. But Tony Cruz, man, he he can still play, and his his prototype of a player, you know the type of player he is, man. Those kind of players don't come around very often. And you know, uh, the thing is, is that usually those type of players can be like physical beasts too. Like I would say, Paul Pogba is not the same type of player, but he can. Not as consistently, but, you know, he sees the field like Tony does. Um, He had, but his skill set is not as good as Tony's. Um, He's like a poor man, Tony Cruz, except he does. He's more physical and does more running and that kind of stuff. Um, But that being said, you know, I I would love Tony Cruz to stay here for another year, another two years. I think 2024 is the right time, Um, you know, because he's he's actually been perfect this year because he hasn't played every single game. And, you know, that's a good thing because a fresh Tony Cruz is a good Tony Cruz. Because sometimes, you know, now that he's older, we see him slowing down at points in the season. So, Tony Cruz is, for me... So, I, I actually do not like the Modric and Cruz debate because I think they're two completely different players, which is also why I don't like the Messi and Ronaldo debate. I don't like to engage in, you know, this player is better, this player is better. This player is better in a, in things that you know, and in a few things, and this player can can be better in a, other things, you know. And so I don't like to engage in debates, but you know, I like I think that everyone just has a preference, right? Based on you know how they can how they imagine themselves playing, right? So I would usually when I play football, I would play in a DM role, right? I'm slow paced. I can like to control the tempo. I like to I like passing. I like I have great vision. I can I, I like long passing. Like in my head I'm Chabi Alonso, right? So I like that style of play. 
Um, Mukum Modric is, you know, he's an amazing midfielder. But, you know, when I imagine myself playing, I don't imagine myself, you know, playing that way. Um, so, um, but yeah, you just, there are two players that she, she simply cannot go wrong with, right? Um, if you like Modric, if you like Cruz, they're, they're, they're top three, top five. They're the best ever. I don't care, honestly. Um, like, for me, the Iniesta Chavi debate. Yeah, for me, the Iniesta, the Iniesta Chavi debates with Cruz and Modric have died off a long time ago. Maybe it's recency bias, you can say that. But, you know, Tony Cruz and Luka Modric have won so much that um, you can comfortably say that each one of them is the best ever, and you would have every single evidence in your arsenal to support it. And no one can do anything about it, no matter how much Barcelona fans can, can you know, say Xavi did this, Iniesta did that. No one cares. Legit, no one cares. Because Luka Modric and, and Tony Cruz have done the same, if not more, than Xavi and Cruz did. And, may I say, they have done it for longer. They have stayed more consistent. They, um, Luka Modric is, is 37, and he's still playing top football. While Iniesta is in the Japanese league and he's going to retire this year or the next year. Um, so, yeah, Tony Cruz staying to 2024. I would love it. Um, I think uh, I think a player like Jude Bellingham, if he does choose to play for Real Madrid, can learn from a player like Tony Cruz before, you know, ultimately replacing him, right, in the midfield spot. Um, same thing for Luka Modric, like having them at Real Madrid for one more year, them together just teaching the youngsters, the likes of, you know, Valverde, Kamavinga, Choameni, and, and Jude, and them, you know, eventually taking over. For me, that's the perfect ending, right? But, you know, um, we both know that there's no such thing as a perfect ending. And, you know, uh, old players do not, do, don't just run off into the sunset handing the mantle to young players. And, you know, did you, did, that third is... This just doesn't happen in football anymore. People like to say that it does happen, but it just doesn't. But, you know, I can hope. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually think, you know, this Modric and Cruz are probably going to be about as perfect as they get. Um, Zidane-esque perfect as they get departure. And, you know, something I'll say, and this is the last thing I even want to say on Xavi and Iniesta and Cruz and Modric, you know, any sort of comparison. This is honestly, all four deserve Ballon d'Oros in their career. All four of them did. Modric was the only one to get lucky enough to get one. And it was luck because he just had that perfect of a year. Um, and actually, one of the messy ones probably should have gone to either Xavi or Iniesta or Casillas. If the votes didn't get split between those three, it wouldn't, you know, and that just shows that the Luka Modric, you know, Tony Cruz, really, this is a Modric, you know, point is. Neither of them had the opportunity to play with the other one in the national team, first off. And for Luca, he didn't play in a jam-packed, superstar-packed national team. It was him and Rakitic with some slightly above-average forwards, I would say. Um, you know, Mandzukic, Rebic. Um, they had Braz- uh, Braz- uh, God, Brazovic behind them. Mateo Kovacic, you know. 
Brozovic and Mateo Kovacic, uh, Brozovic specifically, I think that was kind of a big jumping point for him. He kind of became more well-known, and they were like, oh, this guy's a baller. But, you know, Rakitic and Modric in that World Cup were fantastic, and it was just a perfect storm for Luka to win the ball in the or. And, you know, I'm actually going to use that ball in the or 2018. I'm going to segue this to a Real Madrid player right now. But best player in the tournament was Luka Modric. He deserved the ball in the or. We all know the World Cup holds a lot of weight. This, not this, not this Ballon d'Or that should be coming up actually pretty soon where Kareem Benzema should get it. But the upcoming one, the one after the Kareem Benzema one, that's going to be highly impacted by what happens at the World Cup. The World Cup holds more weight than anything, just like the Champions League holds more weight than the league, right? We can agree on that, I'm sure. If you play well in the Champions League, team, the, the voters like that more than if you just played well in the league. The big games matter. The important games matter. That's what wins you a ball in the or. Unlike, and Mod unless just you, had... Unless you Lionel Messi. Yeah, well, you know, the last one was rigged. We know that. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, That should have gone to Lewandowski, and I feel bad. Did you see Lewandowski's quote, actually, before I even segue this? I you say, did. You say yeah, Benzema. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So just to, just to reference everyone that's listening, which, you know, we're, I'm sure it's just my boy Billy. Shout out Billy, my homie. Love how I say his name on the podcast, but not mine. <laughs> doxing Billy. Billy. Yeah, <laughs> my boy Billy. He's been listening. Billy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he said he's been enjoying them, so that's the most important thing. But I nah. lost my train of thought now. What was I saying? Gosh. Um. So, um. Yeah, I just want to use this to segue into oh the Lewandowski quote. That's what I was gonna say. Um, he was talking, he said, yeah, Kareem Benzema's going to win the ball in the or if they don't cancel it. And now you're just like, oh my fucking God, man. It's, it was a, it was a, it was a fucking jab as big as you can get. That was, I was laughing out loud when I read that. Did he say that today? I think that was earlier today. Yeah, I remember. I remember reading it today. That's the one nice thing about where I live is that when I wake up, I get all the quotes, you know, like I, all the quotes, I just wake up to all of them. Or it's like yeah. when I check Twitter midday, I have all of them because they're all at home for work. Um, but yeah, so you know, the, actually, the second best player at that World Cup was Hazard, and you know, I want to talk about his game today. What were your thoughts? Not today, Shakhtar game. Yeah, yeah we're so Shakhtar used to game. you know, yeah, we're so used to recording the day of. I mean, we can pretend it, it happened today just to make everyone feel better. <laughs> yeah, make make ourselves happy. Yeah. So so how did how did Hazard uh, play today? In hindsight, you know, we were already talking about. You know, Barcelona against Inter. We can just see into the future. But yeah, so today, how was how was his art today? I mean, it, it was pretty. Uh, for me, at least, it was pretty. <laughs> it was pretty obvious that uh, Barcelona were going to get uh, dominated by Inter. So yeah, I mean, we we kind of did predict the future a bit. Um, but you know, when it, regarding Hazard, um, fuck. <sighs> so I read a stat. Or um, I just read it on Twitter that for the past I don't know like fifteen games, nine games, ten games, whatever. The very the, the games that Hazard played this season, he's never played in the same position twice, or more than twice. Or, or, he didn't play in the same position for multiple games on end. He played right wing. He played on the left. He played through the middle. He played as a as a nine. So he was never used in the same uh spot you know consistently 
And I think that's a problem because I just, I don't know what Carlo expects out of him. That's the problem. And the problem is we're never going to see Hazard improve unless two things happen. He plays consistently and he plays in a very specific spot, be it at the left wing, be it through the middle, as a 10. I don't care. But I, like, believe me, I want to blame Hazard. I want to say it's because, you know, because of his injuries, he's just not good enough, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you watch Hazard with Belgium and he does play good. He does play well. He does dribble. He does um, create chances. He plays really, really well with Belgium. And I'm not saying um, to play him in the same spot, in the same position Belgium do. Because we both know that's not going to happen. Because we do not know, we do not utilize the ten position. We'll never. The the sole one of the reasons why we sold Mr. Ozil was because uh, Carlo and Shilla just not play with a playmaker, and um, you know we used uh, Di Maria in the midfield instead, which you know, which which was fantastic. Um, but you know, back to my point, I think um, if. You know, if you want to get the best out of Hazard, which I personally believe that Hazard should leave next summer or in January. He needs to leave. He needs to leave. But we both think that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. He's going to stay. He's probably going to finish his contract and um, leave for free, just like Gareth Bale did. But, um, you know, if we don't, we don't want... A, a leecher, a player who earns 20-plus mil a year um, sitting on the bench doing nothing, just like we did Gareth Bale, we should at least find him a spot in the starting 11 or as a bench player, which he can feel comfortable, we, where we can get the best out of him, you know? Because I don't want a player just sitting on the bench doing nothing. Um for me, that's just counterproductive, especially with a player who's earning as much as Hazard. And if I'm perfectly honest, a player who can improve and who can do better. Like we see in Hazard against Celtic, he got subbed on. He played great, in my opinion. He 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 had he gave an assist. He scored a goal. He was pretty good. He was a good Benzema replacement. Uh, we both know that Rodrigo is a better Benzema replacement than Hazard, but you know he did perform well in that spot. Um, so. I don't know, but Carlo Ancelotti seriously needs to something to do something about Hazard. He needs to take it seriously because I don't think he's taking it seriously enough. If I'm per- being perfectly honest, but you know, I just I just hope the situation changes because it's really bothersome. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> all I'll say on the topic is you know how I feel about Hazard. This isn't going to be a his hate hard uh, hate Hazard rant for me. I just you know. I like him as a person. I thought he was amazing in the EPL. You know, that that season before he came, he was arguably the best player in the world. Um, you know, that's kind of why I segued from that World Cup to Hazard. But he just isn't that guy anymore, and he will never be that guy again. You know, no matter how well he plays for Belgium, I don't take those that serious. Um, because it's probably because, you know, I don't really care about international football. I'm American, you know, my team's kind of ass, uh, you know, I mean, they're good, but the coach is bad. So they're bad. Uh, they're Hashtag actually not really equal bad. Rights. Hashtag equal yeah. Pay. Um, they actually had a very bad, uh, 
results, like the last six results about the teams like going to the World Cup, they've got their ass handed to them. Um, but that's not the point here. I just don't really care about international football too much. Um, usually I support Spain, but Luis Enrique has kind of ruined that for me. Um, did you watch uh, Canales' goal last night? I did not. Did I'm gonna it? need to look at it. No, I dude, I've yeah. been so I've been going nonstop since the Shakhtar game. And you know, with a little great, puppy, man. it makes it hard. I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. I um I will say though, you know, about Hazard, I don't think much about him. Um I don't think much of him. I sometimes forget he's even there, you know, like just because I don't expect him to be subbed on or like, you know, like it's not that I'm like, oh, Hazard's not on the team, but like he's never someone that I'm like, oh yeah, we gotta bring this guy on. You know, he's just not that guy anymore. And you know, I kind of want to actually segue this into a MLB thing, and I'm gonna tell you about this this GM that's kind of renovating the game. I'm gonna get into as little amount of detail as fast as po- as much detail as fast as possible. Okay, so in this, I just want to talk. Actually, you know what? I'm gonna save it for the post or the pre Classico pregame. Uh, I'll bring yeah. it up then, because um, we're gonna do that later today and. You know, it's just, yeah, he's just really not that guy for me anymore. And, you know, that's fine. I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. I, I have nothing against Hazard at all. Um, I like him. I like him as a person. I hope he does well with Belgium. That might be, that, honestly, knowing me, that might be more for Courtois, though. Um, I'm a big Courtois fan. Uh, have been. I, I wrote articles for Manning, Manning, Manning Madrid and would get talking about why, why it was a great signing and got torn to shreds by people in the comments section, you know, because people love Keeler Navas. Um loved Keeler Navas. I, you know, playing well changes everything. Let's put it that way. And yeah, I don't really have much on Hazard. I just didn't think he was very good today. I, I don't really know what role to, he can play for us. And I would love for him to leave. And this is why I'll leave it for the classic go podcast, but I would love for him to leave, but also I don't mind him staying like as a backup, like he's still high quality. He can still, you know, he, he can have those performances. We know he can, um, yeah, he's good. I mean, he's just not as good as he used to be, and he's not worth his salary. That's kind of where my problem comes in, and how much we paid for him. But at the, actually, you know, he was worth what we paid for him for sure. But he's just not paying for his salary right now. That's kind of my problem, I guess. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to say on his art based on what I said? No, he should just give up the seven, give it to Vinicius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give him this. Give give him the seven, or Sensei should just commit and give. Uh, Vinny the 11 um but i don't mean he should do anything bad or harm himself just needs to leave no, he the should. club he should <laughs> i don't I, we don't need this we don't need this podcast getting taken down for saying something bad that's all i'm gonna say um but uh do you want to talk about benzema or ferlin mundi i mean let's get you like to talk the, about uh, first? hate i would like to get the hate off my chest First, for which one? So let's talk about. <laughs> <laughs> let's start with Bendy because that's okay, where the that's most fair. hate lies. Ah, uh, God. Let, just... Let's make sure we save. You know, the the Alfonso Davies rumors. We'll save that for the pregame as well. Hell yeah! Um, so just, just let's just leave it about the game. Uh. <laughs> so. I don't know. He was bad. I don't, he was he was yeah. fucking bad. He was really bad. And it's been a lot. It's been bad for a while. I'm sorry. I could. I could. I had to say it. I just. I couldn't hold it in anymore. I don't know how many times it's happened, but.
but how many times did you see Ferland Mendy getting subbed off because we need a goal? So we sub off Mendy for Alaba to play at left back because he can actually overlap because he can actually attack because he's an actual good fullback. How many times did that happen this season? Every single time we need a goal. Last season. Every single time we need a goal. So anytime we're losing or tied, he comes on for Mendy. Mundy, however you want to say his name. I don't even want to say his name. Honestly, he's just a piece of shit. That's all I. That's, that's all I call him now. He's just, he's just a piece of shit. He's I not mean, a good. Yeah. Fuck. Shit. Like, I, this, this is so this, bad. The, yeah. And the problem is, so you can you can argue he's a good player, right? But you can't really argue that he's a good player for Real Madrid. Yeah. He can stay on the bench. He can be a good bench player, but he cannot start for the best club in the world. You look at our starting eleven, and you look at you look for weaknesses, right? Our biggest weakness right now is Militao. Not Militao. Uh, fucking Mendy, right? He's not world class. He's just not world class. Every you can make the argument for every single player in our starting eleven being world class. Ferry world class. Vinicius world class. Benzema world class was world class. Yeah, not this year. We'll Ballon get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Militao learning, but most of the time. On his class. day. On his day. Yeah. Very world like class. The, like the game against Itafi. Chef's kiss. Um, Alaba. I'm not even going to say it. Very best much in, world be, class. Best in the world. Um, <laughs> That's actually go. probably That's Rudiger. It's probably yeah. actually Rudiger. And let's, you yeah, know, but, this isn't just Real Madrid fanboying. It, yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy because Rudiger is one of the best, if not the best, players, uh, defenders in the world, and he's on the bench, right? Yeah. He's on the bench. He, he starts on the bench. Um, meanwhile, Roland Mendy, who's not even top five for me, is starting for the best club in the world and getting subbed off every game because he's useless up front. So, for me, that's just that, that can't that can't happen. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about Alfonso Davies, but I did read that the club is looking for uh, fullbacks, leftbacks, because they feel, quote, there's room for improvement. I mean, that's about as great as you can put it. There is room for improvement. And there is. And, you know, I, I personally believe that, you know, if you know if Mendy if Mendy's having one of those days where he's one of the best defenders in the world, which he is sometimes, and by defender I mean like his defensive side, not anything else. Um, you know if he's having one of those days, you know he really he's the best defensive left back in the world. I, I don't think that's up for debate. But he's been terrible defensively, and that's where my problem comes in. And this isn't just a now thing. This has been going on for pretty much all of 2022 in my opinion and you know i'm not his biggest fan but i'm also not a a hater of his i just wish we had a left back that was better going forward that's all you know i just wanted some competition that was my big thing i wanted competition i wanted you to bring in sergio regulon or fran garcia or someone give him competition and let's see let's let's just see you know if mendy beats him out i won't say a fucking word but let's get him some competition he hasn't had competition since he came to the club because Marcelo was past it when he got brought in. He hasn't had a sing- he hasn't got a competition once. He hasn't ever beat anybody out for the job. And that's where my problem comes in. 
go get him competition. Let him stay. And, you know, I actually want to segue way this is, you know, what you're talking about is he hasn't had a, gotten a contract renewal. He has not has his contract renewed. And we all know he wants to. People that I trust that I've heard them talk and they say his agent has been asking the club for a pay raise for two seasons now. And the club has not even been like – we know the club only gives – they don't like when people ask for pay raises. Bye-bye, Di Maria. We all know that's why that happened. He asked for a pay raise. The club said no. They're like, you know what? We don't like the way your attitude is now. And, you know, I, I just don't think the club feels a necessary – like if there was a market opportunity for a world-class left back, you know they'd sign that person in a moment. But they're not going to overpay for a left back. You know? You get what you know what I'm saying? It's the Thibaut Courtois goalkeeper signing. Yeah, we're happy with Navas, but we know we could be better. Oh, Courtois wants to leave and wants to be close to his kids who live in Madrid? Huh, that's not a sign for us to sign a world-class goalkeeper on the cheap? Huh, Tony Cruz has Tony Cruz has one year left on his contract and doesn't want to leave? Let's throw 30 mil at FC Bayern, you know? 25 mil, excuse me, 25 mil. 25 I appreciate, I, I do appreciate you correcting me because he deserves, because he's so good and that was such a good deal. He deserves to know how cheap he was, but that's what we do when we, we take up market opportunities. Rudiger this year, market opportunity. Alaba last year, market opportunity. Kamavinga, market opportunity. That's what we're doing now. We're waiting for world-class players to become market opportunities. We are not going to overpay for a superstar. We don't need to. We're not going to. Kylian Mbappe was the exception to the rule. Hazard was the exception to the rule. And guess what? That's kind of why the rule is a thing now. is because of the Hazard deal. And I don't have a problem with this being a thing more so now than it was then. And yeah, I mean, I, I just, that's what the club is doing. And I think left back, that's what they're waiting for. They're not going to go pay $100 million for Jao Cancelo. They're not. Unless Jao Cancelo comes out, makes a fuss, and we can get him for 60 or 75 right? You know, I, I think if... If Mendy came to the club and was like, you know, Casemiro, like, yeah, I think it's my time to go. And, you know, they were like, look, can you just not make a fuss and just wait so we can go get someone on the, ch you know, like, so we don't have to overpay, a, i.e. Uh, Neymar for Dembele and Coutinho overpay, you know, Chouameni for 80, not not including add-ons, great deal for us. Um, then Casemiro ends up going after playing the Super Cup, no big deal, no big deal at all. And, you know, I just think we're waiting for that marker opportunity. I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe it's going to be Teo. Maybe it's going to be Alfonso Davies. Maybe it's going to be someone. And, you know, we can get into that specific, those specifics in the next podcast, but in the pregame. But, you know, that's just something I wanted to point to is I think the club's waiting for a market opportunity. And he hasn't re-signed. He hasn't gotten a, re a he hasn't signed a new contract. And we always get news when players are signing new contracts. Modric was kind of the exception to the rule in that one from last year. We he his renewal was kind of out of the blue, um, but like we talked about earlier in this podcast, there's talks of Tony Cruz getting a renewal. You know, we don't hear a word on 
Monday. So I would like to use that point to talk about the um the financial aspects of um having Florentino Perez as your club president. Which could be a whole like ten podcast series in itself. Yeah. So as of right now, the club can spend five hundred million euros in the transfer market. That's how mu- that's how much money we have for transfers alone. <clears throat> we signed a new deal with Fly Emirates, and basically we can spend as much money as we want. And we're so financially stable that financial fair play, you know, even though it technically does not exist, um. We know that for a fact. Even if, you know, because UEFA can be UEFA, FIFA can be FIFA, whatever, they can, um, they want us to see us fail. They want to use everything against us. They can't even do that because we're so financially stable that we can sign a 300 mil player. We can offer 400 million for Kelly Mbappe. We're not, we shouldn't, but we can. We have fuck you money and we can do it and no one can do anything about it. That's how financially stable we are. Um, so, which is why when I see our fans saying, um, you know, if we, have a, if we have a ton of money, why aren't we spending money on players? Sign some players then. Um, Tell me who you signed is, to the squad. Know, Come on now. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. Who do you sign? Who's, who's, a, who's a superstar? That's, it's even, who's a player on the market right now who's even worth spending 50 mil on? Who's available? Who's actually available? And people, re- you, just like you said, we we are done. You know, spending big money on players who um, we we seek market opportunities. Players who are truly worth the money, and mainly that's because of Eden Hazard and and you know Luka Jovic. We spend a ton of money on them, and they you know both Flopped. failed miserably. Yeah, um, and you know. I was present at the time, and I do remember that you know we spent a shitload of money on Hazard and Jovic because we had an unsuccessful season. We had a we had a disastrous season prior to that. So Florentino uh, was um, was forced into spending a ton of money on players and mainly attackers. And we had Hazard and Jovic available, so we went for them. And we some would say we we overspent, but for me, that that wasn't the case because Hazard was indeed the best player in the world. Jovic was one of the best young prospects in the world. He was coming up. He was he was basically Erling Holland of that year. The Erling Holland of that year. It just didn't work out, which happens. But because it didn't work out, we're now more focused. We now pay more attention to um, to how plays develop. We look for market opportunities because we don't want to overspend and have players like Hazard and Jovic just sit on the bench doing nothing. While we're, you know, we spent millions on them and we're still spending millions and millions every year um, on salaries. So, um, so yeah, this is why we're not signing players. This is, this is why we're looking for players who are, who are genuinely good. We're looking for, like... I know you know Lasaeta Rubia. He the way he put it, Real Madrid is looking for a black orchid. Yeah, a special he's great. player. 
Yeah, superstar. Suggest actual everyone superstar. to follow him. Everyone should follow him. He's great, and he tweets in English. Um, yeah, just he's he just is very intelligent. I don't. He looks like he's a kid too. I mean, smart kid. But you know, Black Orchid. Which, if you want to, you know, explain what that is to the listeners, they understand. So uh, mainly, what he means by a Black Orchid is a player like Erling Haaland, a player like Mbappe, a special prospect. Not not a prospect, a, a generational talent, right? Perfect a player word. who's going to carry the team. Uh, a player like Cristiano Ronaldo when we signed one of the best. But you know, may- was Cristiano? Bale. Yeah, Gareth Bale. Um, these superstars that we signed him actually, Vinny Jr. was a black orchid, he turned himself into a black orchid. We signed, he is one now, he is one, yeah, yes. We we signed uh, Vinny Jr. for um, uh, 45 45 million, 45 now. He's he's worth 130, 145, yeah. Well. The market price, like, you know, like transfer market has him, what, at like 140. But like if we yeah. were to sell him, it would cost – we wouldn't sell him. I, I don't think we would sell him. I mean I, I have a rule that every player has has its price, right? Like, like you know, kind of like how Neymar had the 220. Like, psh, no one's going to pay that. But hey, if we get 222 for Neymar, I mean, fuck, right? You know. Vinicius, yeah, but- I, I would say would – I wouldn't sell him for anything less than like 500 millis. So I look at a player like Anthony, right? Who was worth uh, what one twenty? I think one ten. Um, yeah, <laughs> unproven, unproven player like Rafinha, unproven. Never played a Champions League game in his life. Um, He's played well. Mil. I'm gonna. Both of them have played very well. I will say, from what I've Not seen, worth both the price tag. That's, that's no, the but price tags are inflated. Yeah, exactly. So when I look at Vinicius Junior, what he's done. What he can do, what he can be, he's a future Ballon d'Or winner, right? Um, he's a Champions League winner. He's a Champions League final goal scorer, right? Yeah, that's the not a one. lot. It's not a big list when you look at the players who are who have scored in Champions League finals. It's not a big list at all, at all, at all. Um, it's usually the same players over and over again throughout the list. Yeah, um, especially when you play for Real Madrid. Well, I was going to say, um, most teams that win it don't just win it once. You, like, most players that win it, I feel like, win it more than once. I might be – like, important players, right? Like, um, or at least they get to f- more than one final, right? Like, Lewandowski's been to, what, three finals now? Um, I think he was just in two <laughs> He'll never finals. win one again. Yeah. Well, two finals, yeah, he won one, finals. though, so good for him. Still, he still has one. Mueller's been to two finals, won both. Um, yeah, and, you know, those are those are – Mueller's probably not a black orchid, but you know the list is short. And it, Mueller probably—I don't think he scored in either of those games, so he's not even on that list. You know, if Lewandowski didn't score in any of those games. He's not even on that list. Kingsley fucking Coleman is one nil. Yep. Are you kidding me? Mbappe not on that list. Holland never not be. on that list. But Vinicius we'll fucking <laughs> Junior is. Oh God. Um, but you know. Um... What I was going to say eventually, if, if Anthony and Rafinha are worth that much money and if they have that big of a price tag, if anyone wants to buy Vinicius Jr., just pay his release clause. One billion. Nothing short of that. Um, we'll accept it, had, I'm fight, sure. I mean, <laughs> what one billion, they can take him, I guess. <laughs> 
Well, Vinny uh, still has to agree. Vinny still has to yeah. agree. You think he's leaving the club? Come on now. Never. Not right now. I think he might leave the club later in his career, you know, like I do think so. Just because well. maybe. But I hope I don't think I don't think he will, but you know, you never know how he's gonna feel when he's twenty eight or twenty five or you know. Maybe wants a new challenge. Yeah, but the problem is, you know, 30. he's Brazilian. It's it's mm-hmm. what happens with Brazilians. Exactly. Like, we, like you know how we talked about um you know, for different reasons, but also we when we're 99% sure that Rodrigo is going to leave the club eventually, you know. Yes, mainly it's because that. of you know him not having a spot in the in the starting eleven. But I don't know why, but Brazilians do tend to uh, finish their careers at other clubs. So we we talked about this actually in one of our in one of our different podcasts. We talked about this. I don't know if you remember, but like we were talking about how Marcelo is like the exception because Brazilians just don't stay at one club ever. Yep. Um, which is fine, you know. Uh, we don't have to go into that again. But you know, that's. I think we were talking about Casemiro and like why we weren't surprised that he wanted to move, despite you know playing for the second team. Yeah, thank God he did. For you know, and this isn't a jab at him by me. I don't know about you, but for me, it's not a jab. It's just two minutes younger. He, he's just as good, and in my opinion, he's actually better fits the the way this team is going to move in the post Modric Cruz era. I do think Casemiro is probably a better fit for those two um, just because it allows them to be a little lackluster defensively and switch off from time to time, especially my man, Tony, who does that a lot more than Luca. Luca never does. Or when Luca does, it's rare. Um, like that, God, that tackle on Messi, bro. Beautiful by Luca. You, you would never see Tony. Cru- Tony Cruz would never make that tackle in a million years. Um, but too that's elegant not, you, to make yeah, yeah, right. Luca, Luca's a fucking. He's just the. That dude is a fucking energizer bunny, man. He just doesn't stop. Even at thirty-seven, doesn't stop. His battery's almost out. This man's still kicking. But you know, I, I do want to trans. You know, go. I want to use this. You know, I want to talk about Rudiger and Nacho specifically. Do you have anything else that you want to say on the topic? Um, we've Nacho been hopping around Cruz? a lot. Nacho so. and Rudiger. Rudiger, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to, because we talked about Rudiger in one of our, you know, ones that got deleted, and I want to, I want to have that conversation again because I think it's a conversation that needs to be heard. Um, you know, just about the way he fights, and you know, I want to, I want to put Nacho into that because I think Nacho deserves a lot of praise for this game as does Rudiger. Um, and I want to also touch on some other things about Rudiger. Um, so something I'm going to say just about Rudiger is, you know, he. He is that guy. I I've said this multiple times. I said this before we even signed him. He was the best central defender in the world last season. In my opinion, that is not up for debate. Um, and he was just consistent throughout the year. And those games in the Champions League, specifically against us, oh my God, man! How could you watch him play us and be like, you know, we were we've been you know we're always linked with guys for like two whole years before it actually happens, and you know. We're getting linked with Rudiger, and we're all sitting there like, yeah, but what about Militao and Alaba? Like, we don't want anyone to replace him. After that Real Madrid game, when he was with Chelsea in the Champions League last season, how could anyone say they didn't want that guy? So, Rudiger, he is a player that we both want to, for him to start. You know, we both want him in the starting eleven. Mainly he has to because yeah because he's just 
I don't want to talk about how good he is defensively. That's not why I want to talk about Rudiger because you know it's a given. We know, we know how good he is. We've seen him. We know he's a he's a fucking machine. He's a beast. I want to talk about his character. I want to talk about yeah. um, his personality that fits perfectly in this Madrid side. I want him to start because ever since Ramos left, we've la- ever since Pepe, Ramos, Casemiro. You know, these players leaving, these vicious type of players, these physical type of these aggressive types of players that mock defenders, not defenders, attackers, um, make them lose their focus like Pepe did against Pepe and Ramos used to bully uh, Diego Costa, who's one of, one of the most aggressive players that football has ever seen, who was actually a great striker. Uh, but, you know, one of the one of the main issues that we're facing right now as a Real Madrid team, is that we have zero aggressive players. We have no one to defend our players. Like, one of the things that, that I have, uh, what I, I think about a lot, one of the videos that I've seen that I think about a lot, is when, I guess we, we were, I think we were playing uh, Deportivo La Coruña, I think, or uh, Alaves, I don't remember. But I think it was in 2017, Lucas Vasquez was pushed, uh, no, Morata was pushed on the, on the ground, uh, by, uh, by the opposition, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lucas Vasquez, <laughs> Lucas Vasquez came in, tried to uh, you know uh, defend him and shit, and then he he got pushed as well. Then Ramos just came out of nowhere like a fucking train, and he snapped that player in half. He fucking snapped him in half. Uh, he pushed him on the ground, told him to shut the fuck up. Um, I remember we went. We were playing. Um, let me remember. God, um, I think it was Levante, uh, or maybe Usasuna. I don't remember exactly. No, no, it was Abar. Um, and um, some player who you know injured one of our players. He got injured himself. No, no, one of our players got injured, and you know the Ebar players did not um, pa- did not um, uh, pass the pass the ball out of bounds for the you know for the play to stop. So. Um, uh, for the, for the player to get treatment, and um, they just didn't they just didn't do that. So when their player got injured, uh, and our players were you know they were moving towards you know they they wanted to, to, to for the player to stop so, the, so that he would get treatment, and they passed the ball to Ramos so he would pass it out of bounds. He didn't. He and he told the players not to do it. No sportsmanship whatsoever. He they were they no one uh, Ramos did not want the the, the club to the team to play nice because um, he knew we were playing against assholes and we needed to act like assholes as well. Eventually, Luka Modric passed the ball out of bounds and the players did get treatment. And Ramos actually tried to fight with Modric, asking him why he did it when he told him not to. Um, so that's the type of aggression that I want, right? I want a, uh, I want a captain because looking at Benzema, he's just not that type of player. When our, when our players engage in fights, Benzema just stands there doing nothing. He actually said in an interview that he does not like altercations. Like he 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 said in the interview, which really pissed me off. Um, like he doesn't understand when players engage in fights. It's just it's not necessary. Like yeah, it's not necessary, but it happens, and you need to do something about it. Are you telling me that you're not gonna engage in any physical battles for you know the twenty years that you're gonna spend as a football player in your career? It's just you need to, you have to, and as a captain. You need to lead by example, right? If you're just standing there like a fucking pussy doing nothing, you'll no one's gonna do anything, right? 
that's why we need a, a character like Ramos, a character like Pepe, players who um, uh, who scare the opposition. When Cas, when Benzema got tackled by fucking Milner against Liverpool uh, a couple of years ago, Casemiro took him out. He took him out. He killed him, um, deservingly so. Um, he got a yellow, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter because when you're you're playing against aggressive players, you need to assert your dominance, right? And Rudiger can do it. Rudiger can mock players. He can tackle players. He can push players. He can punch players, right? I don't care if he gets a red card if the opposition is, you know, is um, if our opposition players being assholes, be assholes. We need to be assholes. But right now we have zero players who can actually be assholes. Eric Garcia mocked Vinicius last year in El Clasico mm. when we lost 4-0 um, about him winning Ballon d'Or. No one said anything. Our players just stayed, stayed silent. Our players are just too fucking nice. I well, want... they also don't want to bring a bad light on the club in certain circumstances. You know, reality yeah, we... players are held to a different standard than other players. Yeah, which I didn't, which I didn't understand, but we got raped. We were raped in the game. We got fucked hard. Right, so our players need to sh- need it to show character. Our players need to show character every single game, because you know I don't want to. I do not want to play a team like Kitafe or Sasuna and just their players, like the Usasu- like the Mallorca players. Right, they made fun of Benny after the game. A lot of La Liga players keep making fun of Benny after the after the um the uh, the racism uh, shenanigans that happened after the. Uh, uh, the Mallorca game, I think. Um, so, you know, our, our players still are still fucking silent. Honestly, the only the, the the only player I remember being vocal is not even our player. He was Neymar. Neymar was so vocal about it. He even made fun of the Mallorca player that made made fun of Venia and his, and his dancing and shit and him being provocative. And he said, "Who's that guy?" Right. I want to see our players being more aggressive online. I want to see our players being more aggressive on the pitch. I want to see that aggression because I don't care if we're held to a, a different standard. Fuck the standard. We need to show aggression. We need to show. We need to show character. I'm I'm tired of the nice. I'm I'm tired of the niceties. We need to be, dude. We're painted as um as villains. Always. No matter what we do. We know, no matter what we do. So we might as well just start acting like ones. Yeah, I mean, and I don't have a problem with it. And to me, that's why Rudiger needs to be in there. Specifically, because we were missing someone who we lost this year. Like Casemiro, who would, he was there, man. Like, dude, that fucking, you know, I have my problems with Casemiro as a player and it just has to do with his ball progression that's my only issue with him but man when Milner fouled Benzema roughly and the ref didn't do anything and then he went and killed Milner man we need players like that and Rudiger is that kind of player we need someone that's going to stand up to Vinicius because Vinicius is getting you know let let everyone talk off the field that shit doesn't bother me you know and it should have stopped after the the Athleti bullshit it really all should have stopped you know like but, you know, let those guys talk. They're bitter that they lost or they're bitter that, you know, they didn't take points from us or, you know, they're bitter that they don't play for Real Madrid. You know, jealousy is a thing and these guys are haters. They hate us. Um, they hate us because, you know, they want to they, they want to play for us. 
or, you know, they hate us because they're Barcelona fans deep down or, you know, whatever. They've been taught to hate us. The whole, all of society has been taught to hate us. That is just the way it's been for a couple years now, specifically, you know, the, the three Pete rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because people hate winners, right? And, you know, it's why people hate the New York Yankees. It's why people hate the Dallas Cowboys. It's why people hate, you know, but the difference between the Yankees and the Cowboys is they're not winning now. We win now still. We actually win just as much now as we did in the past. So we get to talk. Those teams, they don't get to talk. Cowboys, Yankees fans, y'all don't get to talk. Your granddaddy saw a ring. Cool. You saw one ring. Guess how many Champions Leagues I've seen in my fucking life. I became a fan in 2009, 2010. I've seen almost as many Champions Leagues in this club as they have it in their existence. I've seen more Champions Leagues in this club than clubs have been in the Champions League final, right? And I know I'm a little off topic because we were on Rudiger, but, you know, that's why people act like that. And, you know, but we need someone like Rudiger within the lineup to shut these guys up, to slap the Eric Garcias and Gavis in the world when they do step up to us. Because Gavi is a fucking punk. And you know he started shit in that Clasco in preseason. I watched it. I don't know if you did. I'm sure the timing was way off for you because it was off for me. That game started at like 11 o'clock at night, my time. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and, you know, I remember watching it and Gavi got in Rudiger's face and Rudiger almost fucking squished him like a fucking bug because that's how the size, how bad the size difference is. And, you know, we can get into Gavi. We can get into Gavi in the pregame. I don't want to get into Classico, but, you know, having a guy like Rudiger there who's going to fucking punch you in the mouth when you run your mouth, you know, having those guys are good. And, you know, it, for me, it's more so it's less about, you know, oh, I want to move Mendy out of the lineup and get Rudiger in there. Or, oh, oh, I want Millie Talent. Like, no, Rudiger's just one of the best defenders in the world. He's proved it over the past couple of years. I would say last year, best defender in the world. Year before that, top five defender in the world. I think those are both fair, and I can make an argument for both easily. And I think I would win the argument to prove that, um, which is fine. But, you know, this season, he hasn't been that. And something I do want to point out, though, is that, you know, he seems very happy. He seems he seems very happy to be here. Um, and the guys like him. Not everyone comes in and fits in well, i.e. Martin Odegaard, for example. Um, and, you know, you need a certain personality to succeed here. And he has that, you know, and I'm happy that he's fighting for his minutes. He's not just, you know, he didn't go out and talk about, oh, I won a Champions League with Chelsea. I should be starting here. Or, oh, I was the best defender in the world last year. I should be starting here. He is going out there and he's partnering up with Nacho and he's playing these off games and he's playing out of fucking position. He's playing right back. He's playing left back and he just fucking wants to play. And you know what? Guys like that, guys that go to war for you as a coach and as a coach myself, guys that go to war for me, those guys are going to be in my lineup. And that's why Rudiger needs to be in line because he's going to go to fucking war for me. He goes to war for that badge. He's been here not even three fucking months, and this dude is more Madridista than half the fucking team at times. This dude is a fucking dog. You know? He won and honestly, I would at the beginning of the year, I'm like, you gotta bench Militao. He's too inconsistent. But right now you can't bench Militao. You gotta bench Bendy and get fucking Alaba at left back, get Rudiger at center back, and we'll talk about our own set of gala in the pregame. But man, Rudiger's gotta be in the fucking lineup. Has to be. He is just too good. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree with everything he's everything he said. Like Rudiger already, literally, he bled for the badge. He took twenty stitches for the badge, and nasty stitches, by the way. Yeah, and um, he still wanted to to play um, after um, after he had that nasty cut. He still wanted to continue the game and play. Um, so he he's just he's just one of the best players in the world. He's just one of the best defenders in the world, and his character just fits perfectly here. And it's something that we desperately need. And it's also um, honestly just a coincidence that. His presence and Mendy's lack of presence, I would say, would you know improve our starting eleven and improve our game overall. Honestly, it's just a consequence of Rudiger's character being so vital um, to start for us in the uh, in a team. But um, but yeah, I just I just need him to start. I need I need I need that character. I need, day in and day out. I need that character in Clasico. In a game against Atletico Madrid, you need a player like that to, um, because you know, uh, a player like uh, what's his name, um, that Argentinian cuck. I don't even remember his name. Oh, um, Are we talking about like defender or what? No, for Atletico. The Paul. Oh, Jose Ma. Oh, oh, that's what you mean. Oh, I thought he's a yeah, the, midfielder. Okay, you said defender. That's why I was confused. <laughs> yeah, um, the Paul. Uh, the Argentine cook, Messi's cook. Um, yeah, Messi's cook. <laughs> who seems um, like his only objective, his only goal on the pitch is not to score goals and to assist, not to play well. His only objective is to piss off the opposition and be provocative, right? We we've seen it with a player like you know who also plays for Atlético Madrid. It just seems like the profile, uh, Raúl García. Um, who you know whose only job is physical tackles, physical altercations, uh, duels, pissing off players to, to eventually for them to get yellows and reds and whatever. That was his only objective. He wasn't he wasn't really a good footballer. He was just a goon. Um, so in a in a game where a player like DePaul is, who's just trying to piss on players, trying to piss them off. You need a player like you need a player like Rudiger who's gonna fight, who's gonna uh, put that guy in his place. Yeah, put that guy in his place, make him shut the fuck up. And you know, when you have a player like that, uh, the opposition does respect you. The opposition does eventually shut the fuck up because they know that whatever they're gonna do, you're gonna do it tenfold, right? So yeah, that's why I want. That's why I want Rudiger mainly. Yeah, and you know I don't think there's a reason not to have him in the starting lineup. And you know I just want to touch on Nacho, and I don't want us to go on a Nacho rant like we did with Rudiger right now. Um, but you know, Nacho, you know he is he is an elite defender, and he would start at like ninety nine point nine percent of the clubs in the world, and he's just happy to be here, and he proves that every single time the dude is always fit. I rarely see him play poorly despite never being in form. You know what I'm saying? Like he's always in form. Like he rarely plays bad. And he and he gets asked to play like three three games a month. You know, sometimes he might go a month without playing if we don't have a lot of games. Like and he's just that good and you know to have him come in a game like today or not today, but like 
You know, you can trust Nacho in a game against a Champions League game. You can trust him. I, I would trust Nacho to play in a Champions League final. Nacho has played in Champions League finals. He's just that good. You know, do you want to say anything about Nacho? You know, I just wanted to, I needed I needed him to get praise for to, for his game against Shakhtar. So, ever since he made his debut, I've like I watched um Nacho Castillo ever since he was a youngster. I've all, like that Real Madrid team, that Castilla team in 2012. I mean, that's probably the best Castilla team that we've ever seen. A lot, many, many talents that you know eventually made it to the first team. That many, many talents that currently play for first division teams, um, like Alvaro Morata, Nacho, Jesse Rodriguez, um, which is a pain. He's just Jesse Rodriguez, uh, one of the best players to ever graduate from La Fabrica, but it uh, didn't work out for him, unfortunately. He was supposed to be our next Ronaldo, just didn't work out, but you know. Nacho graduated from um, La Fabrica, made it to the first team, and he was always there. Right back, he can play right back. Left back, he can play left back. Center back, he can play center back. Um, never complained, never made any problems. Renewed his con- always renews his contract once the, uh, the team, once the club offers him one. Never complains, never asks for money. Um, all- he could start for any team in the world. He could start. For the biggest clubs in Europe, no problem. He is that good. I've always, dude, I've always been a fan of Nacho. And um, at some points, people just were shitting on him because they never thought he was that good. But I always thought he, thought he was that good. I always thought that he was 10 times better than anyone gave him credit for. Um, and uh, I agree with you 100%. I can see Nacho starting. I can see Nacho starting for a, in a UCL final. I can see Nacho starting for a World Cup final if... You know, Enrique wasn't a fucking asshole and starting Eric Garcia who cannot even hit the ball. Um but you know, it's it's an it's an it's an unfortunate situation. Um I like I want Nacho to retire here because he's such a reliable center back, which is something that you you can't really he's a he's a player that can play in three different positions, right? He's a joker and that's something a club like Real Madrid needs because, you know, as the season progresses, you're gonna have a lot of injuries. You're gonna have a lot of tired players. So having one player who can, you know, fill in for three positions—not at once, obviously—but he can fit. He can fill for three positions. It's it's a very rare thing, and it's a very important thing for you know, like I said, for for a big club like Real Madrid that you know plays 40, 50, 60 games a season. Um. So yeah, I I love Nacho, and you know, since we're talking about Nacho, I do hope that he stays. I, you know, a lot of journalists have been saying that he stopped his contract renewal. He's cons- he knows he's good. He knows that um, he he's trying to pl- play whenever the club needs him because he wants to, you know, he wants the club to know that he is that good and he deserves to play more. Um, yeah. If you're gonna ask me if I see Nacho leaving, I I will tell you yes, I do see him leaving. Um, because he just wants to um. He wants to play more. Maybe he wants to join the national team finally. But you know, for me, that's a that's a lost cause as long as uh, that fucking asshole Enrique is in charge. 
Um, I've also seen, you know, now that we're talking about Castilla center backs, that uh, PSG are interested in Rafa Marine. So what do you think about that? Honestly, don't care. <laughs> like, it doesn't really bother me. Like, hey, players who want to die go to fucking PSG. Like, if you want to die, you go to PSG. Like, you want your career to be over, go to PSG. If you're not a superstar. So they'll just buy a superstar to replace you. You know, they will. Um, Actually, Ramos has been playing a lot this year there, it looks like. Um. Not that yeah, that means anything, really but well. I, I want to say I want to say one more thing about Nacho, and then we can move on. Um, I don't have much to say about Rafa Marine though. Um, I think that's the reason that the club hasn't gone and got a left back or gone and got a right back, and they feel comfortable with someone like Lucas Vasquez being backup right back and Alaba being backup left back because because they you always have Nacho as a safeguard. And yeah, do you have anything to say about that, or you th- you think I'm right? You think I'm? I mean, actually, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right. Just I think I'm right. I mean, I, I don't think I don't really think that's a very hot take to say, right? Like that's why the club hasn't gone and got a, like an actual backup for Danny Carvajal, or and why no, the club I'm... was okay with Marcelo just leaving. And I mean, I know. think I think you yeah, definitely think you're right. Uh, for the longest time, the club didn't even have a you know, a third backup who's, you know, a world-class player like Rudiger because they trusted Nacho so much. Like, we've for the past um, three or four years, we've had what? We had Sergio Ramos, we had Varane, and we had Nacho. Nacho was that good. He was good enough to fill, um, to uh, to be a backup for players like Ramos and Varane, you know, until Militao came in. And, you know, he, uh, him and Nacho became our center back pairing, uh, as our replacement center back pairings, but for the most part, um, it was always just Nacho playing left back, playing right back, playing a center back. He can just do it all, and he can do it. He can do it all very, very well. Like I would say, I will say, Nacho is probably a better left back in in in, in the offense, in the offen- offensive aspect. Better, <laughs> he's probably better than Mendy. That's how bad he is. Wouldn't disagree That's with you there. Bad. Yeah. Um. So, so oh, yeah, but continue. I do Sorry. have, yeah, but, but I do have something to say about Rafael Marine. Um, oh, go for it. So I think he's a really good center back. I think he he could be a player that can eventually replace Nacho. Right? He can fill hmm. that role that Nacho used to. Um. So if he does choose to go to PSG, and he has a he has a thirty mil release clause, by the way. So if PSG do choose to uh, trigger his um, his release clause and he does say yes, I would be very happy for that to happen. I think if a player sees, if a Castilla player who grew up watching Real Madrid, grew up for, mo- for the most part, I'm pretty sure he was a Real Madrid fan because, you know, La Fabrica, um, he, grew, he did grow up through uh, La Fabrica. <clears throat> you know, as a child, he's been, since he was 10, he played for Real Madrid for the institution, he knows the players. He knows our club. He knows our our president. He's <sighs> he is a Real Madrid fan. He's a Real Madrid boy, right? So if he goes to our our nemesis right now, our fucking nemesis, our enemies, the club that we hate the most right now, as of this moment, PSG are our biggest enemies. If he does choose to go there and for them to trigger his release clause and him saying yes, 
then he's not the type of player that I want anywhere near my club. So honestly, I, I would say that PSG are doing us a favor if he does say yes. And I'll gladly take the 30 mil. <laughs> you yeah. Know, like, give us the fucking money. I know y'all can pay <laughs> it. Um, anything, anything else you want to say about Rafa Marine? Nope. He can rot in hell. All right. So if last he, if point. If he does go. We, if he doesn't, he's the he best defender go. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just last point. Um, I want to talk about Benzema and, you know. Uh, his form, how it's been concerning, and you know, actually, our best front three has been this season: Rodrigo, Fede, and Vinicius. And you know, today was today was quite disappointing. Not today, a couple of days ago, but it was quite disappointing. I mean, you know what I think about Benzema, right? Um, uh, God. So I don't hate Benzema, but I just. Never really thought he was. Uh, he's not a fucking. He's not the superstar, right? He's just. He was last season. He was awesome last season, but this season he's been so 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 bad. Like people like to think, people like to say that Benzema. Okay, he does a lot of things in the midfield. Does a lot of things in the build up. He um. He doesn't just score goals, blah blah blah. This is a, he uh, he's like a fucking computer, or whatever. He's a he's a mixture of Zidane and uh, Ronaldo as Nazario like, likes to describe him. Yeah, <laughs> if he was if, obviously if he not had, Cristiano. <laughs> yeah, if he had any inch of Cristiano, he would not be having that conversation. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's funny because his Leon days were very Ronaldo R nine esque. You know, like. He was he was he was being deemed the next R nine, which you know we we love to get way out of control with our comparisons, but he was the next he was the next R nine is what they were saying, and you know uh, he's he's lived up to expectations in that facet, you know, as a striker, so to speak, right? Like he's not as good as R nine, but you know most people don't live up to expect like even close to expectations. I mean, he's he's got how many? Uh, Champions League six, five, five, five now. I got. I, I lost track about how many UCLs I've seen in my life. It's got to be five, right? Um, yeah, he's got yeah, five he's UCLs. Five. You know, that's that's a pretty big accomplishment. And you know, he might not have been the goat on his front line or anything, but you know, he played a big part in in different portions of each one. And you know, he did his part, and he kind of let Bale and Cristiano do their thing a lot of the time. And you know, he kind of just took that back seat, which you know. Is fine. I don't have a problem with it, but you know, I, he's just—I just think he might be, you know, towards the end of his career now and the twilight years. You know, it's not a bad thing, but you know, it just kind of makes missing out on Holland hurt a little bit. Because um, you know, I was a big proponent of, you know, let's not renew Benzema and let's just go get Holland. You know, or let's, you know, fuck Rodrigo. You know, to me, it was fuck Rodrigo. Let's just play like a four-four-two or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like Vinny. I'm sorry. Like, you know. You you got to play left mid and so left you know left wing or like whatever you might want to do, you know, but th- that was always I was always like just let Benzema and Holland play in the front too, but you know uh didn't work out. He's at City and it, it it might you know it might be something that comes and bites us in the ass not only this year but until we could potentially get him in 2024. And you know I don't want to use this to be an Mbappe saga, but you know we shouldn't have put all of our eggs in one basket on that one. So um. So, in my opinion, what I really think is, um, 
Benzema, he's just, he's not, he's, he's never going to be as good as he was last season. Mainly because it's really hard to recover as you grow older. And Benzema was never, his body was never really used to uh, playing with the national team so much. With the national team yeah. being, yeah, he, he didn't really, he, he, he skipped four, four, he skipped four, five years of his international career in France, right? Uh, up until 2020, he was not, he did not play with the national team. So whenever the national team would go, uh, whenever the players would go on an international break, he would, for him, it would be an actual break where his body recovers, where he can, you know, recover from any injury, any muscle fatigue. He would be 100%. He could always be 100%. But now he could, he will never be 100%. Never be 100%. Um, and, um, Benzema is the type of player to do so much on the pitch. He's not just a he's just not he's just not just he's not just a goal scorer. He does a lot on the pitch, which requires more movement, more energy, more running, cover more spaces. And unfortunately, his positioning has been so poor and his finishing's been so poor that yeah, having him on the pitch is just it's not really worth it. It's not it's not worth it, right? Because if we're gonna go, just create chances to not have anyone, um, to not not have anyone score them, or you know having anyone on on the receiving end of a cross, on the receiving end of a through ball, whatever, it, then we're just not gonna win. We're just not gonna score. We're just waiting for a hail mary shot from Vaifiti Valverde or uh, an amazing run or a shot from uh, Vinicius Junior. Or a, or a header from Rodrigo yeah, in a game like uh, the one that we played against Manchester City. But where is Benzema? Right? Where is Benzema? That's what I want to know. Where's the real Benzema? The Benzema that we had last season? Um, for me, he's dead. He's just never going to be that good, like I said. Um, and, um, and the problem is, you look in the market, like you said, there's no one. There's no one who can replace Benzema. There's no striker who can be as it can be. There's no superstar striker, right? There are only average strikers. Um, so we just we unfortunately will we will have to count on Benzema next year. We we are apparently we already renewed his contract for 2024, which you know I found very unfortunate, but it, it happened. We're gonna have to deal with it. I'm I'm you know I'm I don't think it will happen. It's very improbable, but. I do think that Benzema. I do hope that Benzema will gain some form. He will score more goals because you know if he doesn't, yeah, we're fucked. Unfortunately, until twenty twenty four, where we will try to get Holland. I don't think it will be successful, in my opinion. Um, mainly because you know he's gonna add. It's he his release clause is two hundred million. We don't know how how much <laughs> we don't know how much he'll ask for for his dad or whatever. We don't know how much his agents and ask for. We don't know how much um uh how much he's get Holland himself is gonna get. Uh, we don't know how much the package overall is gonna cost. So will it be worth it? I don't even I don't even know. So I don't I, don't, I just I'm not I'm not too hopeful.
So what do you think about so, that? So sorry, I was muted. I'm so sorry. So I think I do think Holland will end up signing here. I don't know how much it's going to be, but I don't think it's going to be this contract that he wanted this time. I think it's going to be a move to Spain, either Real Madrid or Barcelona, and I think it's going to be because he wants to be there, um, which is fine. You know, I don't have a problem with it. You know, uh, actually, I was listening to the Trosi Tactics podcast, and they asked um, they asked Keon and you're plugging another podcast in our <laughs> podcast. That's, that is well, such an L, man. <laughs> that's fine. Um, but I was listening to Trosi Tactics, and they were talking about. Um, Diego, who's a Barcelona fan, and Keon, who's a Real Madrid fan, runs Manning to Madrid. They were talking about right now, you know, everything that happened. Who would you rather have, Holland or Mbappe? And, you know, if you would have asked him last year, Keon would have said Mbappe. Diego would have said Holland. That was first. Keon said, I'd rather have Holland. And uh, Diego said he'd rather have Mbappe. So it's, it's funny how things change. Um, but, you know, to Benzema, I think he'll come out of this funk. Um, he was never, ever going to be the player he was last season. Never. I, I didn't even think that was a question. I, I was saying he, he couldn't have topped that. That was his ceiling. He's going to come down. But we do still need him to score like 25, 30 goals this season. And he's not on pace for that. And that's bad. You know, that being said, you know, he's going to be our striker till 2024. At least, you know, unless there's a new striker that comes out or Rodrigo, you know, becomes a nine or whatever happens, happens. But, you know, we that means we just that just means we need a right winger. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to need another forward. That's not up for debate. And, yeah, I, I you know, Benzema, he's just got to get it together. He wasn't very good against Shakhtar um, this time, the last time. Time before, I was probably a little harsh on him because, you know, he was finding a lot of space in zone for 14 and receiving balls, and his link-up play was good. But Shakhtar did a really good job this time of shutting down zone 14. I feel like we really haven't talked about the game much, just, you know, what we thought about players from the game. Um, but, you know, they Shakhtar was much better this time than last time. And, yeah, it made it harder for Benzema. But, you know, we need Benzema. We need him to be scoring goals. Well, he's got to score goals. Even when he plays bad, he has to score goals. He has to be our get-out-of-free-jail card. That's what a striker does. Your striker is your get-out-of-free-jail card. Any other so, points on Benz? No, I'm just... Uh, like, so, one one thing I noticed with Cristiano is that before he uh, he had... Before, before every um you uh Ballon d'Or ceremony he always plays bad for a while then he wins Ballon d'Or and he just starts banging goals kind of hoping that happens with Benzema he's just you know maybe he's just anxious he was just anxious to maybe um so that was that affected his performance i know for a fact that he was anxious because of Lewandowski um i know for a fact that seeing him banging goals for Barcelona day in and day out in La Liga and being La Liga's top scorer and it's just and Benzema just sitting there um so you know what are people gonna say? Right? They're gonna say that he's better than me. That he should have been, you know, he, sh- he should have been, he should should have been signed or whatever. Like I'm sure, you know, footballers aren't perfect. They're still human, right? They do think about those things. Then they're not, they're not confident all the time. So I do think that Benzema does think of, think about Lewandowski and see sees his performance and uh, you know he wants to um he wants to play well as well, score goals, you know, and, and compete for Pichichi. But so far, it hasn't, ha- it hasn't happened. And um, I'm hoping that after Ballon d'Or, Benzema will be calmer. 
And, um, you know, he'll one-up Lewandowski, right? He has a Ballon d'Or. Lewandowski doesn't, right? So maybe that maybe that will make him play better. Maybe to, you know, maybe win another Ballon d'Or. Who knows? Very unlikely. But, you know, it, it, if he plays towards that goal, he will play better. He'll score more goals. And, you know, it will be better for the team overall. Yeah, and that's all, you know, we just need Benzema to be his old self. That's really what we need, you know, and he doesn't have to be perfect. We just need, we need help on the front end scoring goals, you know. Rodrigo is going to go through a slump scoring goals. Vinicius, Fede, they're all going to hit slumps eventually. Not everyone is consistent like Erling Holland, Messi, or Ronaldo in their prime. Um, that being said, I have nothing else to say about this. Anything else from you? Uh, nope. All I have to say is I really hope we win El Clasico because if we don't, I'm going to kill myself. That's all I have to say. (laughs) So, yeah. So thank you all for listening. Follow us us on Twitter at LaCasaPod. We're going to try to be active on there. Been failing at that recently. Been busy working. O's been busy working. So we're both been busy lately. Um, We both have a lot on the plate, but we're going to try to be on there. Yeah, because we're not nerds on Twitter who spend 24 hours, 24-7 on the application doing nothing but talk shit. We do have lives outside of Twitter and social media, and we're not fucking bums, childish bums. We have jobs, unlike most people on Twitter. Twitter. Not jobless, not jobless. But, you know, we're we're trying to – we got to grow our brand somehow. So we're going to try to be active on there, Um, you know. So thank you all for listening. We will be getting to a post-game podcast here later today. Hala Madrid, United Moss, and have a good day.